The U.S. Department of Transportation has called Interstate 69 one of America's six corridors for the future, but the project has stirred controversy among Indiana residents. Construction of the first five sections of the interstate in Indiana are now either completed or under construction, and the Indiana Department of Transportation is turning its attention to Section 6, which will pass from Martinsville to Indianapolis along State Road 37. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, and today on Noon Edition, we'll speak with guests about the proposed section and some of the concerns raised by Hoosiers. What do you think of the proposed route? We invite you to join the conversation after this hour's news. Production support comes from Smithville Communications, serving southern Indiana with fiber gigabit internet and digital IPTV. More information at smithville.net. And from School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. publichealth.indiana.edu. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we're going to talk about I-69. The first five sections of the interstate have been either completed or under construction. Uh, So now the Indiana Department of Transportation is beginning to turn its attention to Section 6. This is the section of the uh, Interstate 69 extension that will pass from Martinsville to Indianapolis, and uh, right now the route is to go along Indiana 37. Uh, Earlier this week, Indiana hosted an open forum about the proposed section in Greenwood, um, and uh, we're going to talk about what happened at that forum and also just talk about the the highway in general. So we have uh, three guests with us today. Um, One is in the studio. Frank Nerwicki is a professor from Indiana University School of Public and Environmental Affairs, and before joining SPIA, he was a senior transportation planner with NDOT, and he has been a frequent guest on our show. Uh, we also have Representative State Representative John Price from Greenwood, and uh, Sandra Flum, who is an I-69 project manager from the Indiana Department of Transportation. They're both joining us by phone. So if you have questions or comments, please give us a call at 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. And you can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. And you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So thanks uh, after that long lead in. Thanks to everybody for being here with us today. Um, I wanted to start with uh, legislative action. So, uh, John Price, you have a, a, a bill going through the legislature that would make sure that uh, the current route that's being considered would, would still be a possibility, correct? That is correct. It's uh, House Bill 1036. And, uh, yes, in the current law, there's uh, – in 2006, there was a barrier put in place in that law that would uh, not allow it to go that last four miles up 37. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, what was the, what was the rationale in 2006, and and what's been the um, what's been the reaction so far to your bill to get that turned around? Well, it, it, it uh, passed out of committee eight to one and passed. Uh, out of the the full house last week on uh, 83 to 11 vote in favor of the bill 
I think the bill just puts everything back on a, a equal playing field for all parties involved in it. And I just uh, think that it's not a good idea that, uh, as legislators, that we try to uh, dictate where a road goes or doesn't go. It, in fact, it's it's in, uh, not doesn't comply with the Indiana Constitution. Mm-hmm. Now, Sandra Flum from uh, NDOT. So, uh, you know, the, could you just sort of give us a little background about how the how the route for I sixty nine was chosen? Uh, certainly, the uh, the route was chosen under what we consider a two-tier process. Um, Federal aid projects have a rather lengthy environmental study process that needs to happen, and uh, I-69 was was done under a two-tier process. Tier one was to consider essentially all of southwest Indiana and how we met the goals established for the project by the different routes. And so it eliminated all except the direct route that it connected Bloomington with Evansville and Bloomington with um, Indianapolis. And so that's the route that was chosen. The decision was made in 2004 by the federal government that that was the corridor for us to do continued study on. And so that corridor was divided into six sections, and each of those sections received a second level of study, which is a much more detailed study. And um, within the corridor, there were little adjustments made here and there to avoid resources or avoid communities or take into consideration the types of input that was given on um, Monday and Wednesday in the public meetings this week. So those six second-tier studies um, have happened. Five of them have happened, um, and that's why we've been able to construct or be under construction. And that's what we're undertaking now with Section 6. Um, again, just to, to update us, so Section 4 is, is what goes from essentially um, near Crane and in Green County up to Bloomington and will come in south of Bloomington. When is that supposed to be completed? Section 4 is slated to be completed late this year in 2015, mm-hmm. and that will connect um, interstate between Evansville and State Road 37. Mm-hmm. And then now we see a lot of work being done now on Section 5, which goes from where Section 4 will connect with 37 up to um, just a few miles south of Martinsville, if I'm correct, right? Yes. Would that be the south road. side of Bloomington? Yeah, south okay, of Bloomington yeah. okay. to south of Martinsville. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, and what's the timeline on Section 5? Section 5 is under construction now mm-hmm. and will be completed by the end of 2016, next year. All right. Are there any uh, major decisions yet to go on Section 5? Uh, no, we're in final design and construction for Section 5, so the um, environmental study is complete, and um, there aren't really decisions to be made other than final design decisions, um, which are rather technical in nature. Right. Okay. All right. So if you, uh, if our, our listeners uh, want to give us a call today, we're talking about the I-69 project and, and uh, how it's moving along. Um, you can give us a call at 855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash Noon Edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So I wanted to bring Frank Nerwicki in here and talk. You know, you've been uh, involved locally for quite a few years and 
and you've also you know you have the SPIA background and the NDOT background. So these projects take a really long time to get completed. When when were you first sort of? Well, uh, I started at NDOT in 1985, and and at that point we're, it was well into looking at different studies. They had studies, I believe, going back in the 1950s. Hmm. Uh, some some of this, if you look at the interstate system in Indiana, there's a missing spoke to the, the, the development, and that was southwest Indiana. Mm-hmm. And they decided because lack of traffic and population that that area would not be connected. At one point, state re- U.S. or uh, Interstate 64 between Louisville and Evansville was actually low traffic also, but uh, that was built. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay, it's so. not low traffic anymore. No, it's not. It's, it's, it's actually there's there's uh, auto plants and some other things have kind of come in and mm-hmm. actually changed things around. Mm-hmm. But it usually takes quite a, a long time mm-hmm. to actually complete right. a study, and if there's issues with that study area, it can extend that. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, brochures that had the missing spoke on it that mm-hmm. were passed around here. Yeah. Well, I want to ask uh, Representative John Price from Greenwood again about you know your your bill that would allow the uh, the interstate to go to continue to go straight up 37. So why do you think that's important? Why do you think it needs to go that way rather than you know take a little dip or tour around the uh, Perry Township? Well, first of all, I guess I think it's very important. Uh, we started I-69. I think we need to complete it. Uh, it you know, it goes from Mexico to Canada, and I think it, uh, it's important for the state to uh, finish it. As far as Section 6, I, I think that uh, in March of 2004, um, it was approved to, to use uh, State Road 37 and, and change that to the I-69 corridor. And I think there's been a lot of study and a lot of work that's been done on it. There's been a lot of money spent on that. And I think it's in the best interest of all, all the communities and, and the taxpayers that that road would continue down that same route. I think if you look at the uh, amount of right-of-way to acquire and, and uh, you know, the, some of the environmental studies and some of these things has already been in place, I think it would be the least resistance, where if you went across an, an open area, then your agricultural uh, issues with that, and then you have to cross the river, that's going to be very costly with the uh, cost of bridges these days so it just seemed like it made the uh, the most sense and I think uh, as far as Morgan and Johnson counties I, I it's always been uh, talked about and planned as far as um, getting roads over to that corridor so uh, in utilities to get that infrastructure in place so I think a lot of that has been planned and done for the last decade and uh, you know with that I, I think that's probably the most feasible route but However, my bill doesn't dictate where it goes. I think that should be left up to the professionals at NDOT. They have very mm-hmm. capable planners and engineers and surveyors to do that. So I just think that uh, just get it back where everyone has a uh, equal opportunity and, and uh, let the professionals at NDOT tell us where it goes. Right. So what, what do you see as the benefit to having the road go through your district? Well, I, I think it, it serves. There were several uh, officials spoke in favor uh, from Morgan and Johnson County in regards to that. I think it will, uh, you know, help from an economic standpoint in that area. And I've had uh, very little uh, comments against it in, in my district. You know, I even had some people that send Perry Township along that corridor said that they uh, had always anticipated it would go up through there. And uh, some didn't even realize that the, the uh, law had been put in place in 2006 that, six that would restrict that. So 
Uh, you know, I have had some that, that has had some concerns. We've talked about it. I, I think there's been some um, either misinformed or uninformed folks that uh, it was said uh, during some of the people's conversation with me that it was going to be a 10 lane road. I don't think that's ever been on Indus radar to be a 10 lane road through there whatsoever. And uh, there's been talked about it would it would destroy or take out 250 businesses in Prairie Township. And all the information that I have uh, from the initial studies and to date doesn't show anything near that number so i think that there's been some you know some information that's that's not been true and accurate to some of the folks now how they've got that i don't know but i, I still think it's the best route based on the money and everything that's been spent today mm-hmm. can you give us a, a some idea where perry township is so those of us who aren't up uh, in yes, that area uh, get can get it uh, Perry Township actually starts at the Johnson-Marion County line mm-hmm. on 37, and it proceeds approximately 4.1 miles to 465, and that is that whole area would be Perry Township. Okay, thanks. Now, uh, Sandra, the, some of the things that, that uh, Representative Price described, like how many homes would be taken out, and I mean, all those things are detailed in a report. I remember we we've had the opportunity to you know look at those kinds of reports for Section 4 and mm-hmm. Section 5 here in Monroe County. So, um, you know, have you seen that kind of is – that, is that specific report done yet? That's the report that they're working on right now. Okay. Um, the public meeting that was held – the two public meetings that were held this week are part of the process of, of kind of generating that report. And so um, some of the input and the feedback that we received will help us look in the right direction, where to look for – where the impacts are. Uh, when people hear an environmental study, they often think we're talking about trees and birds, and what we're really talking about is impacts, impacts to both the natural environment and the social environment. Mm-hmm. So yeah. so when, um, when Representative Price talks about how there were some opponents who would talk about 250 businesses being taken out or properties being taken out, those decisions haven't been made yet. They have not been made. Okay. All right. Well, I know that's, uh, as uh, you know, and as the folks here in in the studio know, and and I'm sure Representative Price knows, you know, Bloomington and Monroe County has been, um, there were a lot of people who were opposed to the highway coming through here. It's uh, it's happening. And um, I think a lot of county officials and whatnot are now working with NDOT to try to figure out how to make it work to the best. But I, I guess I'm, the question I'm asking is, was were Section 4 and Section 5, you know, more difficult in terms of opposition than Section 6 is likely to be? You know, um, that's, a, that's an interesting a, question. Yeah, okay. I, you know, it's not an easy one either. But. She, she's still well, in the process. She doesn't quite know yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think, honestly, um, no one invites an interstate to their backyard. Mm-hmm. And so it's natural to say, I don't really want this in my backyard. Um, unless maybe you're a business and then you want that type of um, visibility. And so you have kind of an inherent conflict. Mm-hmm. And so you have uh, some long-term opponents to the project um, in the Section 4 area. And in Section 5, we didn't have quite as much, but we were having less impact because we were following an existing route. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in Section 6, you'll have the same kind of dynamics where there will be people who are just opposed to the project and, and people who want it or don't want it in their backyard. Mm-hmm. 
Can you give us a, a sense of, of uh, sections one, two, and three and what's happening along those sections that have been completed and have been open for now more than a year? Uh, well, they are they are uh, working. The road works. Um, I, I hear comments <laughs> often about how much time they've people have saved as they've traveled um, between Evansville and, and someplace either on the road or further north. Um, I get a lot of complaints from friends who go from Evansville to Indianapolis about the portion that's not completed between okay. <laughs> the what's road this, and 37. What's the speed limit on the, the section that has been completed? It's 70 miles an hour. And and that's four lanes total? or It's four lanes, and it's grade separated as an interstate is, and so um, you don't have those concerns about cross traffic, and so people get on there and just run like the wind. Okay. Now, now uh, again, I'm Representative Price, you, you mentioned that some of the opponents have talked about it being 10 lanes coming up through your area, and perhaps Sandra could give us a, a hand as to you know what, what the plan calls for. I know in... Bloomington, um, it's not going to be four lanes. It's going to be wider than that. Um, so maybe you could describe what, what Section 6 is going to be when it gets to, to Perry Township. Well, that's part of what the okay. study will determine. But mm. um, when, you, when you look at, as you approach a, a populated area, much like Bloomington is, you know, we've, we've added lanes in Bloomington to State Road 37, so that'll be six lanes through there. Um, because there's a population center and it, it generates more traffic. As you get closer to Indianapolis, you're going to generate more traffic. And so the road will have to reflect the need and traffic studies will be done. Um, I'm sure that Frank is, is painfully aware of what traffic <laughs> studies are like um, from his planning well, years. Well, the one thing on this also with that is that when when they are actually looking at uh, urban interstate or urban interchanges, they're trying to reduce the amount needed to actually uh, build that. So there is a little bit of different standards in a rural interchange mm-hmm. versus uh, an urban. So they do try to conserve as much uh, property as they can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as as you go, <clears throat> pardon me, north from Crane, uh, you increase in population. And so you just mentioned one thing that's that's done about that. But are you getting um, either uh, Representative Price or Sandra, are you getting requests from people in higher populated areas for things that we see in other um, urban areas? For example, the very tall, um, gosh, I guess walls. Sound, like sound, barrier. sound, sound barriers. Sound barriers. Yes, the sound barrier walls. Is that something that we might see? Or is that even something that's on the table? Is that part of a study? How does that, how do those things come into play? Um, I can, I can talk from the perspective of the more technical side. Okay. Um, there's, there are noise studies that are done as part of your environmental impact and um, receptors. The people who live there are the ones that, that we measure, you know, what the noise is and, and um, what the increase is. And there's a policy about how you go about making that study, and then uh, public input is take, excuse me, taken on the results of the noise study, and that, that will kind of dictate whether there's a wall or not a wall. Mm-hmm. But um, even in Section 5, you'll see that there are three noise walls um, planned. And where would those go? Do you know off the top um, of your head? I know that's kind of a rough thing to ask you when you've got this many miles to consider. 
It is uh, just north and just south of 2nd Street on the east side, and then there is one on the west side that is, I believe, near Tap Road. Okay. All right. Impressive that you had that on the top of your head, Sandra. <laughs> right. Okay, let me, let me give our phone numbers again quickly. We only have Representative Price for another uh, five minutes or so. So 855-0811 in Bloomington, 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. Um, Representative Price, so it, it's passed through – a committee. Um, you're, the, it sounds like the prospects in the House are are pretty good. Um, a story I read said there's strong opposition in the Senate um, from a few uh, influential senators. Uh, Senator Pat- Patricia Miller and Brent Waltz uh, are opposing lifting the ban, uh, according to the story that I read. Uh, you know, what what do you think are the prospects when it gets into the Senate? Uh, well, if I if I can comment first on the, the question of Senator just answered. Oh, sure. The, the some of the, the uh, calls that I've had are, are running to people in the district and on the south side of Indianapolis. Is would it have the noise barrier walls in place in uh, certain locations, and also if they had the limited access roads uh, where no one was landlocked? And I told them that would all be considered in NDOT's you know evaluation of you know the project and so forth. Um, I guess now I go to the question you just asked. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I've had I've had several uh, senators that said that they would support it. They think it's a good bill and it's a bill that's fair and equal to everyone. I do have some uh, a couple of senators you had mentioned that uh, did uh, oppose it. However, I, before I ever filed the bill, I went to the um, the House members that it uh, uh, affected and the Senate members and talked to them about it. And uh, so I tried to be forthright during the whole process and. Uh, I, I have talked to a number of centers, and, and they have a better understanding now. So I think I hope I will get good support. Yes, it's uh, Senator Miller is is a friend. She is also a powerful senator, uh, but I think this uh, comes down to what is is right for for everyone equally, and and also it follows you know. Um, you know, the Indiana Constitution, and that's just what I'm trying to do. Okay. Representative Price, when when you're interacting with NDOT, are you specifically lobbying for limited access roads and sound barrier walls and any other amenities that might make this um, a highway coming through your district um, more user-friendly for the folks who live there day in and day out? Yes. In fact, I, I know, uh, I can name several people at NDOT that we've had a number of conversations. I have I-65, it's going to be increased in my district also, and so I have a lot of calls. So, yes, I've spoke with uh, different members of NDOT in regards to that, and they assure me they're taking all that in consideration, looking at all those things. And I think they also take that at the uh, public uh, information meetings, which I am very happy they do. I think that keeps people informed and and answers a lot of the uh, unknown questions. So, yes, I I do support the citizens in having some of those things in place because it is – uh, quality of life for them as well. And I think we have to be cognizant of all those kind of things and take all of it in consideration. Right. Frank, in your experience, um, does NDOT listen to those kinds of pleas or do they just have things that say, okay, if you have X, Y, and Z, then you get A, B, and C? No, they actually go ahead and listen to the to the comments. And, and <clears throat> they, they got a lot of comments down here 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have a talent for understatement. <laughs> and uh, but yes, they do take those in, in account. And and the one thing about it is they never know what you're going to see in in a public hearing. Mm-hmm. So you have to keep an open mind to actually be able to take all comments and actually do the research to see if that is actually something that has not been considered or if that's something that's been considered and they actually go ahead and actually disclose the, the answer at the meeting. Okay. All right. We're going to get to one phone call before the break, and then people are starting to call, so we'll get to the rest of them after. So let's go first to uh, Charles from Bloomington. Go ahead. Yes. Um, I had a couple concerns about I-69. Um, since I live in Bloomington and I've attended Indiana University, I am concerned that Indiana University has promoted this highway for their own benefit like a corporation would. On the Metropolitan Planning Board, they had it stacked and it made a mockery of the uh, federal process for funding to the municipalities. Uh, They had Lynn Coyne, they had uh, the president of the Citizens Advisory Committee that went against the Citizens Advisory Committee. And uh, I just can't imagine how a state institution can be this involved. And Mr. Price, uh, you say that you don't feel it's appropriate for a legislator to represent where roads go. Everything that happens in the government should go to the elected representatives and not the appointment of Department of Transportation. So I must disagree with you on that extremely. Okay. Well, thank you, Charles. I'm going to let uh, Representative Price answer that one uh, before we let him go. Am I done here? Uh, yeah. Thank okay. you. Thanks for your call. Thank Thanks. you, Car- Charles. Uh, first of all, I, I thank you, Charles, for calling. I respect your opinion. Uh, and I guess what I'm saying is if you can imagine if all 150 legislators from the House and the Senate uh, went in and tried to uh, earmark or through a statute law that uh, certain areas of their roads and their districts would be limited on what could take place. I think you affect a lot of different things under that. Yes, I think we as legislators listen to our constituents and, and all the information and so forth and then take those to the, the folks at, at NDOT. And I, I, I could be wrong on this number, but I think uh, with the planners, the surveyors, and engineers, there's, there's about 400 of those folks. And I think that we pay them to uh, and they are professionals to do the job that they are trained to do and let them make those decisions and then bring those forward. I think we are, are a funding mechanism through the legislation uh, that we try to find money and, and so forth. So uh, I think that, um, you know, that's, that's the way that I see it's, it's, it's best and the way it's laid out, and that's what uh, under Article 4, Section 22, I think it says that. So. I, I do appreciate your comments, Charles. All right. We're going to let you go, sir. I appreciate your being here with us for the first half of the program, Representative John Price from Greenwood. So thanks very much. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. I wish I could stay around. I just have to go to another commitment I have. Gotcha. I understand. So we're going to uh, have the second half of the program. We will uh, continue our conversation with Sandra Flum from the Indiana Department of Transportation and Frank Nerwicki formerly from the from NDOT, but now uh, on the faculty at SPIA. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back.
This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville. Information at smithville.net. And IU School of Public Health Bloomington. Online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at WFIU.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIU.org news. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg from the Herald Times along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And we're talking about uh, I-69 today. Um, As most of you out there know, uh, Section 4 is being built right now. It's almost been completed, should be completed by the end of 2015. That will tie I-69 into uh, Indiana 37, just south of Bloomington. And then uh, Section 5 is under construction. Um, You see a lot of work, but it's not heavy construction yet through Bloomington, and then Section 6 will be uh, is un- in the planning stages now, and public hearings are being held. So that's what precipitated today's program is the public or the Section 6 public hearings. We have two guests who are still with us. Uh, Sandra Flum is an I-69 project manager from the Indiana Department of Transportation, and Frank Nerwicki is a professor from the Indiana University School of Public and Environmental Affairs. Before joining SPIA, he was a senior transportation planner with NDOT. So if you have questions or comments, please give us a call at 855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition, or you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. We're going to go right to the phones. We have Patrick from Martinsville who's on the line. Go ahead, Patrick. Hi there. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I just wanted to comment real quick. I'm a, I'm actually a truck driver, and it's uh, funny that you, uh, you're talking about this today because I just came up from Evansville, and I, I was driving on the new section, and it, I mean, it cuts my, uh, my drive time down quite a bit. And I'm originally from Bloomington, uh-huh. so um, I'm really excited to see the new section come in because uh, 37's fairly quick, but I'd like a. Uh, I'd like a corridor to come up through here that would cut down my time. Mm-hmm. What's, what's it? Uh, I mean, what's it mean to you uh, as a truck driver? You know, when you get off of Section Four now and you get back on what is it, Indiana Forty Five? Is that what you get on? Uh, yes. Yes. Um, so, what's the difference but, for you as a truck driver? Well, it's almost like night and day. Um, I can just you know cruise down I sixty nine. You know. Uh, it's nice and easy, but once I get back on these country roads, it's it's hard. Especially if I'm if I'm hauling a heavy load, going over them hills and uh, and all those curves, I have to downshift quite a bit. Um, it's kind of a pain for truck drivers that have to deal with a you know just a little two lane road that's going over hills and through towns and stuff, school districts and all that. And it'd be really nice to have somewhere where I can just you know, cruise all the way up to Marion, which is where my 
you know, my dispatch is at. Mm-hmm. So how, how would you characterize that in terms of, of safety, you know, public safety, once you hit that highway again? Um, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure a lot of people would prefer that us trucks stay on highways rather than, you know, come through their routes. Indiana is really good. There's some, uh, states I've been in that have quite a few restricted routes, but you don't see that a lot in Indiana, but, so, a lot of these little towns here in south, southern Indiana, um, you see trucks rolling straight through downtown, mm-hmm. and I'm sure a lot of people... Uh, don't think about that when if I-69 does come through close to where they are, they're not going to be getting the through trucks anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, anybody have a uh, want to comment on what Patrick had to say? Frank? Well, I think the big issue is the safety, obviously, is, is that for uh, limited access highways, there's less interaction with people pulling out of their driveways, people cutting across to uh, go on the other side of the highway. So it's, it's a safety issue, and uh, that's, a, that's a big concern for everyone. Patrick, I assume you feel safer when you're on the, uh, the finished section of I-69. Is that true? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you get a lot of people. I'm actually I'm on 37 right now, and coming up through Bloomington, you get a lot of traffic right there, uh, Oliver Winery. Mm-hmm. Um, Worms Way and stuff. You get a lot of traffic, people just turning right off. There's a BP gas station right there, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, and right there on the hill, too. So a lot of times people can't see you when you're coming up the hill, and I, I can't slow down that much. So mm-hmm. um, it's definitely it, it's, it's a lot safer to be on the highway. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, Patrick, thanks a lot for giving us a call. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks for taking my call. You guys have a good one. Right, Drive safely. You. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> phone numbers are 855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the local calling area. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition, or you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. So we've had Jordan from Bloomington who's been waiting for uh, very patiently for quite a while. Thanks, Jordan. Well, yeah. Thank you very much for having this today. I have two questions I've been wanting to find the answer to. Uh, first of all, I'm wondering about having a uh, evergreen barrier instead of a concrete barrier. I know concrete barriers are very expensive, labor-intensive, and uh, offer a heat sink, meaning that it certainly does not. It certainly contributes to global warming. <clears throat> so I'm wondering. Don't leave out that, how ugly they are. Hello. Don't leave out how ugly they are. <laughs> Well, sometimes they some of them are better than others. Look nice. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so that's one question is about using evergreens, large evergreens. The second question is, uh, I know that uh, Lady Bird Johnson, who mm-hmm. did Amer- Beautify America, I know that they have promoted along highways plantings of wildflowers, and it's been very, very popular. And of course, it does not need the kind of uh, petroleum um, maintenance that grass does. And I'm wondering about the possibilities of instead of grass uh, on the edges or maybe in the center areas of the new uh, 69th for Bloomington, if we could just have some wildflowers. Uh, Sandra, let's go to you. Okay. Well, a couple of things. Uh, NDOT does operate a wildflower program. Um, and so I would 
have to defer to the Seymour District Office to have more information about that. I do know in Section 5 that there is an aesthetics plan um, to have a, a little more gentle aesthetics than your traditional highway. Uh, one of the things that the developer has um, has proposed is to uh, use more natural native type of flowers and plantings in um, in the interchange areas. And uh, one of the one of the drawbacks we we have to balance is uh, the road salt and and what that does to the uh, Greenery, you have to you have to make sure that you have greenery that'll survive uh, the kinds right. of road salt that we have to use to keep the road safe. But um, that's that's certainly a, a program, and and I think in different parts of the state it's better embraced or embraced more widely. And so you can drive by some areas and you'll find uh, wildflowers growing in the summer. Um, and I think we're all probably anxious to see them again this year. <laughs> <laughs> Anything green. Yeah. And what, what about the, uh, the evergreens or the plantings as opposed to you know, as natural barriers as opposed to the concrete ones? You can use evergreens as a visual screen in some situations. Um, the concrete barrier is, um, is required to be crash tested in safety. And so... Um, evergreens <clears throat> don't have the same stopping power as a as a concrete barrier mm -hmm. does um, for safety purposes. So they're in the Bloomington area where the third lane will be constructed on the inside. Um, there will be a concrete barrier in there. Um, the the aesthetics will be more along the outside of the road. So wait a minute. Say that again. So down the center, the median is going to have an, as opposed to the the. I don't know, the long wires, and I'm sorry, I don't know what they're called, the stop wires. They'll actually be a concrete... The, the barriers. Barrier? Right. In, in Bloomington, um, from that road up through, um, I believe, State Road 46, there will be a concrete median barrier that will separate the, the lanes in each direction um, because those will be six lanes across. And why, why that choice instead of the less visually... Uh, I guess intrusive. I'm sorry, I can't. I don't obviously have an opinion about this, but uh, the the stop wires. Well, um, the the footprint of the road. Uh, when you have the cable barriers, you need a little bit more median space, and so the footprint of the road um, in an urban area for having 12 foot inside lanes, and um, out or I'm sorry, inside shoulders and outside shoulders. Uh, we did not. We did not go through and buy um, additional right of way in order to keep a uh, 60-foot grass barrier or a 30-foot barrier um, cable barrier. Mm -hmm. It was a, a trade-off, basically trying to keep it the footprint as small as possible. I see. Mm -hmm. uh, the the one thing I would just jump in on wildflowers. If you want to see the uh, NDOT system really at work uh, go on 46 towards Ellettsville. And there's some hillsides there that are beautiful in the spring and the fall. So there's some, some really attractive plantings that they do. And, and it's also the type of grass that they are planting is actually low maintenance. Oh, mm -hmm. so less mowing. Less mowing, less watering. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anything, any follow-up, Jordan? Um, I'm still not sure about the so the sound barrier issue is simply the fact that 
uh, it doesn't have the same stopping power. I mean, if it, it would not depend on how thick those um, tree barriers were. Oh, I think I may have misunderstood. I, I thought oh. you were um, discussing trees as instead of um, barrier walls in the center. Oh, I think you're talking mm, about right. trees as a, as a noise barrier. Right, right, right. 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 Mm-hmm. And then okay, I changed I'm, it later to the center thing. But yeah, we initially we were talking yeah. about yes. Well, um, as a noise stopping device, trees are great for a visual screen, but they really don't do anything for noise. And so um, to get the decibel decrease that we we try to achieve, um, trees just don't do it. (laughs) Gotcha. Okay. Thank you very much. All right, Jordan. Thanks for the call. Okay, we've got about uh, 10 more minutes to go, a little bit longer. 855-0811 in Bloomington, 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area. And you can join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. Now, as you drive up um, 37 right now, there are several signs in the medium that say karst feature. So I, I, living here as long as I have, I know what a karst feature is, but um, what's being done or, or what does that sign really indicate, aside from the fact that obviously there's a karst feature there? Well, um, those signs are required in the contract, and uh, we, we do that because we want to keep the construction people out of those karst features to protect the integrity of the feature wherever possible, and that if if we have to affect that feature, that it get treatment so that nothing disrupts the karst system. So what, what kind of treatment will they receive? Depending on where they are and the type of feature it is, um, we try to maintain the airflow and the water flow into the, treat, into the feature, but we don't want things like uh, a spilled diesel or um, road runoff to go into the features, and so they can have simple caps on them, or they might have uh, separators for oil uh, barriers so that the oil, if there's an oil spill, it wouldn't go down in there. So we have different treatments depending on the type of of feature, but our goal by putting the signs up are simply to make sure that the construction folks are very aware that that's a special area. Interesting. Thank you. That's a great answer. All right. We're going to be being joined on the phone by uh, Mayor Phil Deckard of Martinsville. Mayor Deckard, thanks for joining us. Thank you. My pleasure. All right. Well, I have a question for you. I don't know if you uh, have any for us or not, but I have a question for you. (laughs) What is Martinsville doing to uh, prepare itself for I-69 coming through? Actually, we have been working uh, very closely with the uh, NDOT folks and I-69 representatives uh, for the past several years. We worked closely with them on Project 5, uh, assuring that we got uh, uh, an access point that would be most beneficial to the most number of residents within the city. Uh, and they were very good to cooperate with us, and we finally obtained uh, approval of the one at the Liberty Church Road area south of town. Uh, Section 6, of course, a different story. We uh, uh, first were under the assumption that uh, for the past several years that I-69 would follow the uh, Route 37 uh, footprint uh, right through Martinsville. As a matter of fact, uh, the floods we had a few years ago, of course, uh, we had several homes on mm-hmm. our uh, south side that uh, had to be demolished, and the state came in and bought part of that property. And as a result, that land is lying dormant at the time, and we can't do anything until uh, final decisions have been made. So we're concerned about that area. 
but we're also in the process of extending our infrastructure to accommodate I-69. We realize that it's a coming thing, uh, regardless of whether it stays on the 37 path or uh, takes a detour route that now they are reconsidering and along with other avenues. So it has us in a quandary right now, along with our business and industry, uh, some of those persons waiting to see whether they should make plans to um, locate other areas to continue the operation of their property, uh, whether they will be allowed to remain where they're at. We're concerned whether or not the city will be split, shut off uh, from our business, industry, shopping area, residential area from the beautiful downtown Martinsville, as well as our hospital and schools. Uh, we're concerned about an overhead pedestrian uh, walkway or walk bridge uh, taking those residents uh, near the high school, the residential section across the highway to the shopping areas. Uh, and then, of course, the access points. Uh, we are aware that there will be one at 3937 of mm-hmm. necessity, and then we're concerned about the other um, two that we understand will be uh, granted. So uh, those are just major concerns, and we're in a limbo, but we're still working very closely uh, with the study groups, I-69, attending all of their meetings and personal contact as well. Mm-hmm. Mayor Deckard, what are what are the arguments uh, for going around, kind of a detour around Martinsville as opposed to following the current route? Well, those who are opposed to that, of course, we're interested in a more direct route uh, connecting I-69 from the south to the airport in Indianapolis. Uh, They're concerned about bypassing with the added traffic. Uh, But on the other hand, there are those who are in business, and we had several at our community meeting that was conducted by I-69 this past week uh, who spoke in favor of the bypass uh, remaining on 37. It would create uh, additional traffic that would uh, certainly benefit their businesses. So uh, we have really good arguments, I I think, on both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sandra, could you sort of update us on, on that part of the discussion? Uh, I'm sorry, on no, which part of the no, discussion? I, I was asking Sandra Flum, who's with, uh, yes. she's with NDOT, and she's on, on another line with us. Oh, she's a great lady. Yeah, Sandra. Hi, Mayor. <laughs> <laughs> Just got an endorsement. <laughs> yes, yeah, she's been very cooperative, she's right. informed, and uh, any questions we have, we, we take the liberty of going to... Uh, uh, to she and her other folks, and they've been been very helpful to us. So, Sandra, the uh, the idea that I sixty nine might not stay on that thirty seven route is that uh, is that something that could happen? Well, this is this is part of the study that's ongoing. Mm-hmm. Um, the the uh, the study includes the State Road thirty seven route that 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 corridor that um, was part of the two thousand and four decision. But um, in addition to that, uh, what, what these public meetings have been this week is to help NDOT determine what should be considered in the scope of the study. And so that would include whether additional alternatives should be studied. And an additional alternative, for example, would be, as the mayor is discussing, uh, some sort of a bypass plan. Mm-hmm. So would the bypass then necessarily go back over to 37? That would be, you know, some of the input that we're taking this week to determine what scope uh, we should consider. Hmm. Okay. Frank, it looks like you were well, the, the, uh, wanting to join in here. Well, well, the one thing on this is they'll have options. They'll look at different scenarios where they would want to go ahead and put that quarter. And obviously they're going to try to hit a, 
a corridor that's going to have least impact for as many people as possible, both uh, people and the environment. The, the other issue for the mayor is that uh, there's a situation that you can actually see as an example is the fairly recently completed Kokomo Bypass, US 31. Um, uh, some people could have argued from NDOT's perspective that Kokomo never kept uh, that as limited access because, believe it or not, the, ri- the, the, the original uh, four-lane was a bypass of downtown Kokomo. So you're on the second bypass of, of Kokomo right now. And, and the mayor is, true, is, is right on that. Is you had a m- number of businesses, restaurants, and other items on that older section. So they might just migrate out to the uh, new section at some point, but uh, there's going to be limited access out there. Mm-hmm. So that that's that is a concern. <laughs> well, I think I think a lot of listeners may have you know missed the fact that the this discussion has sort of reopened as as Representative John Price said when he was here in the first half. I mean, he certainly gave the indication that you know he thought it was going to be going up 37 and wanted it to go up 37 you know through his district. So, um, you know, it's been – it was just a few months ago, right, when this discussion sort of reopened about whether or not to bypass Martinsville. Is that right, Mayor? Uh, yes, that is right. Uh, probably two months ago, I think, it uh, uh, was a serious point of conversation. Mm-hmm. And just to, just to be clear, so you, you don't favor bypassing Martinsville, correct? Well, at, at first I said no, but I've looked at some new ideas that have been uh, presented uh, at the very beginning of this study. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been suggested that w- possibility of a bypass uh, extending on the east side of Martinsville, then coming back into 37. I see. Uh, mm-hmm. I would probably be more in favor of that than I would going around on the west side because of the river bottoms, mm-hmm. uh, the floodplain areas. Uh, the new bridge that is not compatible to I-69 standards. I wondered about uh, that. <laughs> yes, but on the uh, on the east side, we also have a problems if the bypass should go out too far of a well field uh, protection area. So uh, just a lot of things still to be considered, and uh, I would not object to using the 37 footprint as long as we were not separated by uh, some of those ugly walls that we have seen and was suggested when the first study was made. Um, the important thing is having access to both sides of the area to our residents. And you're, uh, you're under the impression there would be three interchanges in Martinsville, is that correct? That's our understanding, with the one being, of course, at the 39, 37. Uh, they have to have mm-hmm. some means of access to right. 39, I believe. And then uh, we're hoping for one. We've spent uh, a large amount of money on the Ohio Street area, hoping that could be one of our main gateways to the city. And then one up on the north side between 252 and 44 that NDOT uh, has discussed, mm-hmm. and that would give us a direct route into our hospital, to our downtown, and to our school system. Mm-hmm. Now, you, uh, as mayor, have been supportive of I-69 from the beginning, is that correct? Yes, I have. I realize it's a coming thing. You know, I, I remember when 37 was the single lane and, and all of the hullabaloo when uh, uh, they first decided to make that uh, a dual highway. Uh, that's just part of progress, whether we agree or disagree. But if we do not make provisions uh, to operate efficiently when that time comes, uh, it's too late once the barn door is open and uh, the horses have escaped. Okay. <laughs> we, we only have a, a minute or two left. I want to go back to Sandra Flum, from uh, an I-69 project manager from the Indiana Department of Transportation. So 
what can we expect to see in the next, let's say, 12 months uh, in the various sections? If, if we can go back to Section 4, Section 5, and then Section 6, what's the activity going to be in the next 12 months? Well, for Section 4, uh, there should be a road open by the end of the 12 months, but you'll see construction uh, in the meantime. In Section 5, you're going to see construction, and because it's an active highway, that means a lot of lane switching and uh, pain. Yeah, I'll just say it's going to be two years of pain <laughs> mm-hmm. for, for everyone who uses it because it's not going to be as simple as an open road. Um, and for Section 6, there are several things that are going to happen in the next 12 months. Um, there will be a second set of public information sessions um, in the second quarter and then again in the fourth quarter of the year. And so that'll be something for people to, to keep in mind. And then um, we also want to remind folks that we're still taking comments on um, the discussions of this week until March 12th. And so they could visit the website and um, fill out a comment form or contact the office. All right. Um, we are out of time. So I want to thank Mayor Phil Deckard from Martinsville for joining us for the last 10 minutes of the program. That was great. Thanks, thanks, Mayor. Thank you very much. All right. And uh, Sandra Flum from the uh, Indiana Department of Transportation, Frank Nerwicki, a professor from the Indiana University School of Public and Environmental Affairs. We'll see you again soon, Frank, okay. I'm sure. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and for producer uh, Lacey Scarmana, engineer Mike Pashkash, and my co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville Communications, serving southern Indiana with fiber gigabit internet and digital IPTV. More information at smithville.net. And from School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined. Addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. Publichealth.indiana.edu.